Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick 360. Search out the YouTube page as well while you're online. Just search out the Outkick 360 channel. We hope you'll subscribe and ring that bell while you're there so that you know we go live each and every day across the Outkick network in the afternoons. You want a Titans injury report really quickly? Sure. Jayon Brown, Bud Dupree, Caleb Farley, Anthony Ferkser, Derek Henry, who was rest, Ben Jones, Roger Saffold, all did not practice. A.J. Brown, Derek Roberson were limited. Lawan and Sambrilo, uh, both full participants. Sambrilo has a foot. Uh, Colts, Jordan Glasgow, a linebacker. Zach Pascal, a wide receiver. Xavier Rhodes, the cornerback. And Braden Smith, a tackle, all did not practice as well as Carson Wentz. Their O-line is as banged up as the Titans. Ankles. How weird is that on an injury report to see ankles, plural, and it not be a mistake? It is. Uh, How weird is uh, it to see a guy uh, hurt his knee in warm-ups and then practice on Wednesday? It's a good sign. That's bizarre. That it was uh, it's a it's a, a weird thing. it's a weird sign. cramps up in week one and then um, can't play in week two and then practices three days later. Yeah, I was assuming this would be a I've reaggravated my knee injury. I'm out for a few weeks minimum, I not think most coming back to practice. Were, most people were kind of expecting that, so I'd say it's a good sign. I thought Sam Brilo did a good job, all things considered. Well, they ran the ball in that game. Absolutely. I mean, I I thought he came in and did an admirable job. Uh, I don't know that it's sustainable. We've all talked about the Titans' need for Taylor Lewan to be Taylor Lewan and to be available for this team to reach their full potential. Well, it's very – I'm bringing up the topic because this preseason – um, and, and Paul, you you asked Lewan about a second procedure, and he scoffed at the idea, right? Um, This was back in June. At, at OTAs or at minicamp, one of the two. Um, and then the preseason, he's practicing. He's limited, but it, it's based on how they're repping certain veterans who are coming off of injury and off of surgeries. Uh, full participant going into week one. Full participant going into week two. Full participant going into week three. What they're saying is he is medically cleared to play. And it's and a mental, mostly not, mental He thing. didn't play the full game in week one and could not participate in week two. Yeah. The Titans also promoted Naquan Jones, the defensive lineman who was very quiet in the preseason, Michigan State guy, to the active roster. They signed Andrew Brown to the practice squad, another defensive lineman. These are moves to replace Anthony Rush on the main roster who was cut earlier this week along with Bradley McDougald. Um, Mike Vrabel very kindly assured us that a safety would play. Somebody will play safety, he said. And he mentioned Dane Cruikshank and Matthias Farley, who are the two logical potential replacements at a spot that's crucial for them. At what point do fans and people start to ask some hard questions if Taylor Lewan is medically cleared to play again this week and doesn't in this game? 
It's the questions I've been asking. We're asking them now. Since I, th- this I think he'll play, but I think all eyes will be and, on him and, during warmups. And it's about him, him mentally coming back from this injury. And I don't, I don't think it's physical. I think the physical is leading to the mental. Paul, you talked about the Jameis Winston piece with the, the mind coach uh, with him. Taylor Lewan might need a little bit of that to get over this hurdle. And look, when you play at a very high level, which Taylor Lewan has for a while, I, I have empathy for this when you're not – for whatever reason, certain with your own body to know that you can do the job you want to do at a high level. I mean, I can empathize with him on that. I should say I should sympathize because I've never played sports at his level, but I think anyone could have sympathy for it. But again, if you continue, this is, I joked yesterday about Tua and the injury before he knew it was a cracked rib when they said it's a pain tolerance issue. I'm thinking, boy, that's a way to roll your guy into the bus. If he doesn't play, oh, he just can't handle the pain. Well, Taylor Lewan is clearing doctors' hurdles to be out there on Sunday, and Hutton brought it up. He has cramps the first week and checks himself out. Uh, it's a very odd-looking thing where he's doing something in a blocking drill with no pads on or anything else, and he doesn't play the next week. If he practices this week and goes out there and doesn't play on Sunday, I, I'm just curious what you guys think that's, I mean, that's going to be. What's the cause and effect with that? What the, to me, he could have played Sunday. He practiced today, full participant. Yeah, he could have played Sunday. He could have played Sunday. That's what they're saying by practicing him today. You tweak a knee as a left tackle and you're practicing a, a few days later, but you can't participate in the game? I think there's a fear factor there that you tweak it and you can make it worse over the course of I think of the fear game. factor started when Chandler Jones was lined up off opposite him. Well, that's, that's and he gave unque- up three sacks unquestionably and true and cramped up. up. That's what happened. It's yeah, hard not to read into this with how they're treating I, this. I don't think there's any other way around it. And uh, the, fear, the fear factor of re-aggravating it, then, then, then just retire. I, I'm not That's saying That's going to be there forever. I'm I mean, you've got an injury. Like, you always are going to go into a game with the chance that you're going to re-aggravate an old injury. That's not I'm, necessarily his call. I don't think he trusts his knee. That's not that, necessarily his call. If he tweaks his knee before the game, they, the team, no, the trainers I, could say – you tweaked it a little bit, and there's a chance that for all we've been through here, you go out there and mess it up a little bit more. We ought to err on the side of caution right now, considering what a disaster so last week was. So why didn't those was. trainers tell him that today? Well, the swelling goes down from Sunday to Wednesday. That's not an insignificant amount of time for, uh, for twisting it on Sunday to relieve itself by Wednesday. It's not a particular A lot of offensive linemen got banged up in this game and returned to play. And didn't practice today. He's out there doing light calisthenics. And he aggravates his knee to the point that he can't play on Sunday. And he ba- that, that sh- it, it seems like a medical miracle that physically he can go out and practice football three days later. I think you'd say that for a regular guy. I don't think you'd say that for somebody coming off of ACL. I mean, we don't know. We don't have enough information to make, the, the, make that judgment. I don't think. Remember when My Mike, information remember when, uh, is he, he cramped up in week one, was booed coming back onto the field. Week two during warm-ups, checks out because of his knee, uh, where Channel 5 had footage of it. I mean, he's, he's warming up. There's no contact. Channel he's, 5 had the best angle of He's just going happened. through the motions, uh, getting warmed up. No pads on, no uniform. It's T-shirt, and, and that's it, and shorts. Um, can't play, and then first full practice back is a full participant. But yet Roger Saffold, who went out multiple times, continued to play. Ben Jones, who went out multiple times, continued to play. Saffold didn't Both continue are out. to play. He didn't finish the game. Both are out today. Saffold went out multiple times in week one and came back in. Oh, in week one. Yeah, but he yeah. didn't finish week two. 
but my my point is he he continued to play. It's it's a it's it, I'm I'm sorry I'm going to read into it. Uh, it's to me the the writing is right there on the injury report. He's not injured. Well, and remember when Marcus Mariota was cleared to play and didn't, and remember the talk about that when that happened was at the end of the season, the game that would have gotten them in the playoffs the one year. Um, yeah, I, I just it, again I I don't think that Titans fans. Even the ones who call Taylor one dad are eventually going to get fed up with that if, the, if this continues. If it continues, let's see what happens on Sunday. Well, okay, but he's practicing. If he continues to practice, then he, he should, should play, play on, on Sunday. Sunday. He I expect him to play on Sunday. He should have played last week. I, I, to me, it's hard not to read into that, Paul. In this league with a knee tweak, you're not practicing three days later from getting back on the road game. At left tackle. So we're saying he didn't tweak his knee? If he tweaked his knee, he could have played through it. That's how I'm reading into it. Because they're, they're, they're practicing him a full participant. If he was limited, I'd think differently about it. Paul, when I thought, when I saw the He practiced injury, without limit today is what when they're when saying. I, first off, when I heard that he did something in warm-ups and was out, just definitively out for the game, my first thought was, oh boy, he's going to be out half the season. And he's going to have to rehab it or do something or have a cleanup procedure done and try to come back the back half of the season. Go watch how he hurt himself in that. Um, I mean, me standing up from this chair right now would be more, I'd be more at risk than what he was doing in that moment. And then him not playing, it's odd. To, to say the least, it's I, odd. I'm not saying it's not odd, but I, I think he could play Sunday and I, I I think it's possible for a guy to hurt himself in warm-ups and not play and be back the next week. I've seen it happen before. And, that, and I've seen it happen with guys who aren't coming back from ACLs well, have and you didn't seen have it, a though, huge issue the week before. It's one thing to do the McNair and then not practice all week and come back and play in a game because you get shot up with Toradol or whatever to go out there and play. It's a complete – can you think of a time where someone tweaked something in warm-ups, did not play a game, and then was right back on the practice field? Immediately after? I don't. That, that's what I I'm can't, saying. I, I can't think of a time that's happened. The examples I gave out on this are um, there, there have been players in the past, I and mean, not just the Titans locker room, others, that don't feel like they're back from whatever procedure they had mentally, even though trainers and, and the team are practicing them during training camp or whatever it might be, and they go in for what's called a quote-unquote cleanup on the knee or whatever. Uh, it's, it, it happened a couple of times over the last – 20 years within the Titans locker room where coaches are frustrated with a player because he's medically not, they're clear yeah, and he's not and they ready. go in for a cleanup because they want to medically get over the hump of, or mentally get over the hump of whatever's going on with them medically they don't feel stable on the on the the knee that they're rehabbing or whatever it might be well also this was the not ankle, this was not the conventional hut that we see a lot of times with a quote-unquote injured guy where they take him out and lean on him or work him out to see how Good. the leg or whatever that's, that's is doing it. before they green light him to go. This was a standard warm-up. Oh, it wasn't a standard warm-up because I don't know that I've seen him warm up this way. This was him doing that. This was him doing some extra warm-up. Or maybe this is his routine. I, I don't know. I've not watched him so closely before a game. 
but this wasn't anything beyond the ordinary. He wasn't with a trainer under the watch of Carter, his position coach, or under the watch of Vrabel, where they're sitting back having that conversation with a cup of coffee like they do, where he then goes in and they, they talk amongst themselves and go back and tell him thumbs up or thumbs down, uh, like they do with a lot of injured guys before games, where it's a morning of decision. Mm-hmm. This wasn't that. Well, I'll also just throw this scenario out there. Carson Wentz is not practicing, correct, with the ankles right. injury? Uh, imagine if Carson Wentz warmed up for the Colts on Sunday, got medically scratched in the game, was out, and showed up and practiced on Wednesday. Colts fans would be ticked. I don't think that that's uh, that unconventional. You, you don't think it's unconventional to go right to be ruled out because of a warm-up injury and then to go right back out and practice? Well, you're saying now you just used Wentz as, as the thing. You complete your week off on Sunday and you generally return to practice I'm on I'm saying Wednesday. if Wentz was totally fine the week before health-wise. Re-aggravated an injury, did something, whatever, in warm-ups, is sitting on the sideline with a ball cap on all game Sunday, and then comes right back out the next practice and is on the practice field. You don't think that would be odd and that Colts fans would be saying, why didn't this guy play? I think it's odd. I don't think it's as odd as you think it's odd. I think it's glaringly, uh, glaring uh, obvious that mentally he's not there with the surgically repaired knee. We saw it in week one when he cramped up. We saw it in week two when he didn't play. And you can watch him warm up and tell that he's already favoring the leg. Uh, But the Titans aren't favoring the side of caution by practicing him. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Not not mentally there on Sunday. He's not mentally there on Sunday. So how do you get him there for next Sunday mentally? You push on him Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, you call Jameis Winston's mind mind coach. (laughs) Visualize. Start flashing cards in front of him. You need Wendy from Billions. Jack of Diamonds. They can deny it all they want. Let's go to Axe Cap and let's get Wendy from Billions and talk to him. It's absolutely a storyline. It's a huge storyline. It's what everyone's going to be watching leading up to kickoff on Sunday. They're going to be monitoring that Twitter feed to see if he's going to be He wasn't ready on Sunday. And so maybe, you know, tweak whatever. But if you want to get him mentally ready for the next game and he's able to go on Wednesday, you start pushing on him on Wednesday to give him three days of work to get him mentally ready for the next Sunday. I want my tone setter, tough guy, left tackle to play football when medically cleared to play football. I don't think that's asking too much. Boss Hogg needs to show up and play. Yes, and that is what John Robinson drafts guys to do. It is football first, loves ball. It will be out there if he can physically go. I, I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't disagree with that, but I think there's a mental part of it that's obviously we all agree is in play. What did Caleb Farley do today? And that was part of it. Caleb Farley, I, I think we said Caleb was Farley out. was uh, out. He was injured in a game, had a shoulder issue, uh, practiced last Wednesday, and then was held out Thursday. Right? I think that's how the timetable went. I think he practiced Wednesday and then was out. Thursday, Friday. And then Friday was declared out, yeah. Didn't even travel. They didn't, they didn't even travel didn't even to Seattle. Him. Didn't even want him there. Yeah, that's a huge disappointment. <laughs> Sounds like Isaiah Wilson. Don't even, don't even bother coming on the flight. If he comes up, if he comes out with a rap album. I mean, there's definitely a story there about them being down on Caleb Parley. And, I mentioned this and, in the preseason when Vrabel said Caleb's not ready to play. And it was, it was looked at like, oh, he's coming back from injury. Well, he full contact the following week in Tampa, played in Tampa, played in week three, and can't even see the practice, can't even see the, the game day field except for special teams and when they're trailing 38 13. Hey, but huh, look at the bright side. Raiden's played on some PATs. Uh, Ra- yeah, good for Raiden's, <laughs> who traveled with the team to Seattle. He dressed. As a draft pick. He dressed. 
it's unbelievable the production they don't get out of early picks early in the season. And generally speaking, I mean, this team isn't good enough to not need that and to get nothing. This team is also, the offensive line, not good enough to do it two years in a row without their franchise left tackle who they banked on this offseason being ready to go. Yeah, and who was, they're telling was a given. Who they're telling everyone. They're telling the Titans fans, the NFL, they're telling the Colts, they're telling us, they're telling Taylor Lewan. He is medically cleared to practice. He is expected to play on Sunday. That, that's what they just told us in this practice report after he didn't play due to an injury in warm-ups in Seattle. More coming on OutKick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. There are seven teams that remain unbeaten across the National Football League. A couple of surprises there as well. Among those 2-0 teams, Paul asked the question this morning prior to the show, uh, which team lasts the longest this year among the unbeaten teams? As we begin to look at the schedule, uh, our buddy Warren Sharp from Sharp Analytics uh, tweeted out the schedules. Uh, on which team stays unbeaten the longest. And you can see the teams uh, at the top. Arizona, Carolina, Denver, Las Vegas, the L.A. Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and Tampa Bay all remain unbeaten. And as we go through the Week 3 schedule, Carolina gets Houston on a short week with a new quarterback. Um, uh, Houston I'm talking about. at uh, On the road, so they'll play in Houston tomorrow on Thursday Night Football. Arizona will play against Jacksonville in week three. Denver gets the New York Jets. So of those three games, you're picking Arizona, Carolina, and Denver to start 3-0. and Vegas is taking on Jacoby Brissett at, uh, as, at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Rams and the Bucks will play each other. And Green Bay travels to San Francisco for Sunday night football. So... Either the Rams or Bucks will be two and one, and one moves to three and zero guaranteed. Meanwhile, Green Bay at one and one could pull the upset on the road against San Francisco. It's Arizona, Carolina, and Denver on this list, guys, or Tampa and L.A. who have the best chance at remaining unbeaten the longest, if you can believe that. I go, I go two directions here, uh, Vegas. As Miami, Chargers are a tough game. I'm going to pick two teams that need to spring one upset and then the door's wide okay. open, okay? You're starting with Vegas, right? Starting with Vegas. Miami without Tua, they're winning that game. I would think so. Okay, Chargers I love. But if they, if they beat the Chargers, <laughs> then they've got the Bears, the Broncos, who I just don't – not buying it. I don't like. The Eagles, who are, are not that good. The Giants are not that good. They get to week 10 before they face the Chiefs. I think they've got a free run here if they spring one upset in week four. And then I go to Carolina, and look, I like Carolina too much. But they're playing the Texans this week with a backup rookie quarterback. If they spring an upset against Dallas, they've got the Eagles, Minnesota, who I don't believe in, the Giants, the Falcons. And they get all the way to week nine against New England. And I think they got pretty clear running. If those two teams can spring well, one got, upset, they're in next Arizona week. The, the week after yeah. that. All right, I get them to week nine. Yeah, though. you could. I would. I would so both of those teams, Patriots. if they spring upsets next week, the Carolina against Dallas, Vegas against uh, the Chargers, I think they got nice runs ahead of them. 
Well, and Davis Mills is about to get baptized by this oh, Panthers yeah. defense. Uh, this is not the Pac-12, and this is not the Wazoo <laughs> defense he's about to go against like he did at Stanford. Uh, this is going to be bad on Thursday night football. My, my prediction for Thursday night football, much like Mr. T's prediction for his fight with Rocky, is pain. It's <laughs> one word, pain. That's what that game's Nobody was saying anything about Carolina or the Raiders doing anything like going under 3-0, oh, which they're both going 3-0, and oh, I think we think here. Better I, yet, having potential to make a run. Well, if they don't, then they're not exactly who we think they we are. thought they were. From and the they've shoot. done a pretty good job establishing an identity through two weeks. Who's the team that's the biggest two and zero fraud? Biggest two and zero fraud. Denver. Denver. <laughs> so at the same time, and they're going three and zero. But the, see, Den- the the thing about Denver, I mean, they they can rush the passer with four, and they have Bridgewater, well, who's among the top. QBR ratings in the in the league through two weeks. Well, they just lost one of their four. Bradley Chubb had oh, that's surgery right. that's today, right. so that's going to hurt them when they get to. And in a week, they have Baltimore. They're not beating Baltimore. Uh, I, I wouldn't think they got Baltimore, the Steelers, Vegas, and the Browns. Look, look at that. After they play the Jets, they've got Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, Cleveland, Washington, Dallas. They could lose six in a row. Yeah. I- <laughs> Not as I think they'd have a great shot against Washington, but they're definitely staring down three and four after starting three and zero. Oh. Go through those next four after the three and zero oh start for them. Baltimore, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Cleveland. Yep, three and four. Washington, Dallas. They could be Washington, Dallas. That, that's I mean that tough. the schedule turns up. Yeah. the schedule turns up. Look, I think the Broncos are a little bit better than I give them credit for. And I, but I'm not, I'm not a big believer. And I think there's a segment of the population that just wants to love them for some reason. I don't, I don't really get it. Well, there, I've seen more negativity about them because they started 2-0 and against who they've won it's against. It's not they their won, fault. That they, they won they the Giants and they won against the Jags. And they won on the road. I mean, I think that's also the key. They started back-to-back weeks on the road. The yes, it's their home opener. Uh, they started back-to-back weeks on it's the a road. Nice schedule. And now it's a very difficult place to play. So that they're going to be home heavy now, and they've already started to it. It's a very nice start for a team that was desperate for that. I love the Rams. I think you guys are with me on liking them a lot, at least. They've got Tampa Bay this weekend, the Cardinals the weekend after that, Seattle the weekend after that. Those are some good, yeah. high-quality games. Uh, I, I wish they were in prime time every, every one of those. I mean, we're talking about Denver starting with three easy ones. Look at the Rams there. Tampa, Arizona, Seattle. Those are big-time competitive games. See, I, I think the Rams or the Bucks stay unbeaten the longest. The winner of, of that group. game. The winner of because, that game. Because we're going to see. They're just going to be good. Um, Arizona hung on because of a missed field goal against Minnesota, who no one here thinks is very good, although they played well they against played Arizona. Well. Um, and, and then, you know, Arizona is going to start, begin to play their division. Um, I think the Bucks Carol- have an easier time. Carolina. They're, they're going to be a solid team. They will be in, you know, they're, they're, those games, some of these games are going to be toss-ups in the fourth quarter. Dallas, Philly, uh, Minnesota, who's going to play tough, I believe, throughout the season. Um, and then you're right about Denver's schedule being extremely difficult after this week with you go to the AFC North before you get into divisional play. It's really Vegas or it is Tampa or the Rams, whoever wins this week. If Tampa wins this week, they've got uh, really winnable games. New England, I don't think, is that great. Miami, Philadelphia, Chicago, Saints. 
that's a, a very winnable run for them. I, I think this Tampa-LA game could be NFC Championship preview. That, that's the game of the weekend. Yeah. It's also a pretty cool story if the Raiders end up having a special season in year one with fans in Vegas. Yeah. In their new it feels stadium. like year one. Yeah. There, right. And we're just getting used to calling them Las Vegas. They've got the stadium. And, uh, you know, through two games, uh, John Gruden's play calling is trumping John Gruden's nonsense talk and his quarterback's playing, you know, as well as just about anybody in the league. So Certainly the, the Raiders have Miami this week. Then they will be on Monday night football the following week against L.A. Game. So That's it's Raiders-Chargers on Monday night. The Sunday night game is Tom Brady back in Foxborough in week four. That, that's going to be one of the highest-rated games ever. Yes. Yes. That that's going to be, be big solid. Time. Get out your abacus for that, Chad. You're our, rating. <laughs> You're our ratings guru. Oh, and I just cannot wait to hear all of the Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady comparisons if the Patriots win that game. Because you know that's coming. They're not winning. Oh, let's put side-by-sides of Mac Jones when he started as a rookie and then Tom Brady. That's, that's two that's pictures with old. their shirts off. You love that. I I think that should be when they go to the to tell the tape or whatever yeah. with these broadcasts and they show the two players at the top. I want the two side by side the whole time. Just their roster photos. I only wish that Brady at the combine shirtless and Mac Jones shirtless. Mac Jones, by the way, the shirtless photo. I think he's got a cigar in his hand. It's after they beat Tennessee. Uh, they smoke oh. cigars in the locker room. They don't have a combine shirtless. No. I I only wish it was a Manning cast game and you could also get Peyton and Eli shirtless like combine <laughs> pictures and you put those four. Uh, four guys up there, shirtless, combine age. It would really be uh, – it would, it would be hope for everyone. I'd love I to – I mean, this guy out at the Titans in the parking lot would be like, if it could happen for them, man, John Robinson's Whatever coming out here guy. sooner or later. Is he out there today? I don't know. We'll check in with John Glennon for an update. Was he signed? <laughs> uh, yeah. We do need to figure that out. Uh, all the media members that talked to him, we'll ask – we'll pull one of the 11 that spoke to him. Um, I, I am really rooting for a Patriots-Titans matchup. So we can ask the question and put the photos side by side. Better body, Mac Jones or Randy Bullock? That's what I want to know. I want to see the tell the tape. Mac Jones at least has a little height on him. I don't know how tall he is, but but he's taller than Bullock. I don't think there's much of a difference in height. I mean, I'm guessing. Bullock is short. Bullock's six foot tall. No, he's not. There's no way Randy Bullock is. Don't you slight my guy, Randy Bullock. Dude. Randy Bullock is five foot nine. <laughs> According to Paul, it's very average. Sorry, average sight. Oh no, Paul. What was, what's my official Paul, the one member of the show that's five nine. David, every Reed. time we bring up five nine, he's like, oh, it's completely it's average. average. And then when I say, well, oh, Randy Bullock's six foot, players. I just said, oh, Randy Bullock's a tiny. He's so Compared short. Compared to football shortest players. human ever. Let's go to David. Reed very small for an handed update. as well. What was my measurement on the door frame at our own radio station? We should have taken that door frame when we left. By the way, I should have said you did this and then i should have gotten out hammers and taken the door frame we actually just need to measure you again in here but it was five foot nine and three sixteenths but I, rounds I, up in my eyes well and three sixteenths <laughs> rounds up in my eyes yes, it rounds up to five ten there Matt. needs to be a, there needs to be a new rule show here that chad can no longer compare his body to a professional athlete <laughs> unless he's actually willing to take shirtless photos of himself so we can put this on Instagram. Will. I'll, I'll do it yeah. now you, you okay. better believe and, Mac Jones. You better believe and it's Give me a couple up, weeks. Coming up next. Give time, me a couple weeks. Yeah, time, time for a break. No, no push-ups. No, I get, I get two, if I get two weeks' no, notice, give me no. two weeks' notice, I'll take a short Do you think photo. they gave Mac Jones 
Jones. We'll go side notice. by side with Reed. Mac Jones. I'll Mac, look away. We Mac will Jones. let the ladies Let's decide. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll let this the ladies great. decide. Mac Jones wants nothing of this Ryan Lochte body to my <laughs> left, okay? He wants nothing. Does he know anything about these swimmers' proportions? By, by Michael Ryan Phelps' Lo- body with a Ryan Lochte brain. <laughs> let's, let's get it right. The only thing that you have in common with Ryan Lochte's body is being shaven. <laughs> have you ever, have this, you ever uh, been? Let me clear this up. I am naturally hairless. I don't shave a thing. I have you promise. ever been to a Brazilian gas station? Uh, what was time. Ryan Lochte doing there? It was, it was like was stealing adventure. lemonade? Well, it was. Uh, he was the victim of a crime. But at first, <laughs> yeah. it was. Yeah. At he first, was it was the. Was uh, so was Brazil. No, it turned out he was. Uh, <laughs> he was the victim of crime. But at first, it was a big, oh, ugly American vandalizing something. But it turned out he was but being what like. What was he alleged? Wasn't to have he like done? being held, not hostage? They were basically the authorities were trying to get money from him. It was a ransom thing. Yeah. Yeah. What did they say he was doing? Stealing cigarettes? No, he was. There was a sign that he was vandalizing. They said a he came sign, in drunk right. and he was trying to use the bathroom and he vandalized the sign. Yeah. I love that we're playing the telephone game with a story that's five years old yeah. from the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, what was that story? I'm, I'm Initial news stories like, reported that Lochte and three other U.S. swimmers have been robbed at gunpoint after a night out in Rio. Later details emerged that the armed robbers posing as police were actually security guards at a gas station where the swimmers had urinated outside the bathroom. And Lochte allegedly vandalized a framed poster. And it ended with frame, the swim- frame poster at the gas station. It ended with the swimmers providing money to the guards. Let me tell you, there was enough going on in the Olympic Village that they could have had a good time there. I bet. I mean, look, you know, he who hasn't vandalized the gas station frame poster, poster then throw frame the first stone. poster. It's like throw a cigarette advertisement. They call it a frame poster, like it's a hat show print from the third. Ultimately, the athletes each released statements. One swimmer paid a fine of $10,800 to a Brazilian charity in order to get his passport back. Yeah, that's a scam. It's also the image of Ryan Lochte trying to urinate in a Brazilian gas station bathroom and being told no, and then tearing down a poster (laughs) on the wall on his way out, and he just goes outside to pee. It's a typical Tour de Frangia night for you. It's kind of funny. Like It's funny to think about just, oh, yeah, I can't use your bathroom. Just, well, here's your yeah, poster. I mean, they were Check the poster. Uh, it, during the Summer Olympics, after armed men showing a police badge allegedly forced them out of their taxi at gunpoint in the early morning hours. Yeah, it's not that funny how a this, story. That's how get, this goes on. When you get down to it. Well, look, I, uh, uh, it's for Americans, the, the reaction is, you know, we're going to kick your poster off the wall or vandalize. And then the Brazilian guy's like, okay, great, we'll kidnap you. <laughs> the natural response to elevate right. things is, well, now you're going to get kidnapped because this is Brazil. Yeah. Uh, Lochte claimed that, that a gun was placed on his forehead. Uh, it's all coming bizarre. back to me as you read this, Hutton. Good job getting that so quickly. Great story. Your internet at speed is fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated. And then they show a picture of Lochte's torso. This right is now. all to say that Where's I that don't chat? shave my chest or arms right. or anything. You, do, you don't shave it, you use nair. I don't do anything. I'm telling you. Naturally hairless. The okay. Arm hair. I've got arm hair. Like I, once hairless nared, I once nared my back. No chest hair. And let me tell you, when it grew back, it was not pleasant. It itched very bad. Here come the jokes on Twitter about me not being manly because I have no naturally no chest hair. Yeah. Here that's why we're surprised that you're so willing to take off your shirt. Well, you know, you know Again, give me two weeks. In middle school <laughs> you grow in, hair in that time? In no, middle no. school and high school, all the all the guys hoped that they had, you know, facial hair and they, they hoped that they were uh, maturing earlier than others, right? It was like a rite of passage. And now then as you, it's as great you grow older, I mean, you don't want back hair. Yeah, it's very carefree. Yeah, I mean, the, you, you're actually you, You're ahead of the game. Everyone <laughs> wants to be Chad. Guys in 10th grade Except hope so hard painful. to have facial hair 
that they just didn't shave even when they didn't have facial hair and it was like the wiry long hairs coming off the face yeah you like, this, like this is me now I, now I now have a goatee or the sideburns you look like Snoopy's brother yeah, you Spike. the sideburns for the first time that went past you actually had hair growing off your face on the sideburns and that was just miraculous to you so I'm, you know I'm going to keep these sideburns these look great yeah, yeah. they never looked great yeah. Never ever did they look great. No, that was a girlfriend's job to tell you, except you couldn't get a girlfriend because you had those hair. I wonder well, if very uh, critical of uh, my appeal to the ladies. I, it's always it's always very interesting he, to me. No, you did great with the ladies, but that uh, not with the facial hair. Was yeah, this a Von Schmidt-O gene? <laughs> the lack facial of facial hair? hair? Yeah. I think it was passed down from our Prussian ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Russian and the German people that had great facial Prussian, hair, but the Prussians for those really skipped it, for that those gene new to Outkick 360. Let them know about your Russian royalty uh, heritage. Prussian, please, Prussian, Prussian, Prussian heritage. So I have a ancestor, like a great, 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 great grandfather like great somewhere down the line. Six. Uh, named Francois von Schmidow, uh, who was an heir to the Prussian throne. Prussia was a region of Germany, I believe. He went on to own a minor league baseball it was, team. It was its own fiefdom. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he came to the U.S. and fathered many a child. He lived from 1772 to 1859. His last, find his tombstone? His last wife, he was 92 when he wed his last wife, who was 19. It's a common That was the, that was the last of, I think, seven or eight wives. When we they really up, had a lot in common. That we yeah. knew of. But no, much. Nine wives, not a single whisker, though. That's what we've learned about the facial hair gene. They had a lot to talk about. So much. And he's listed with the uh, Andrew Jackson's uh, army in the, what, the War of 1812 or something. Battle of New Orleans. Am I thinking about the right? Well, he, he gave a prayer. Right? Wasn't he the guy who delivered a prayer yes. at the Battle of, uh, the Battle of New Orleans for Andrew lack. Jackson? Well, we started Courage. talking about him and someone from the, the state that works at the state museum that listened to the show sent us a plaque and it has the words from Francois Von... Uh, we got to find that prayer. I've got to pull it up here. Hang on one second. And it was... God, you, you're, it's you're a like great... A we, we would is, once recite the prayer this before is, a show. This is Withrow's great-great-great-great-grandfather, Francois Von Schmidow. Bow your heads if you're out this there. This is amazing. Lord, if you are not, driving. Lord, if you are not with us, don't be against us. Just stand aside and see one of the damnedest fights you ever saw. Amen. That Amazing. is the quote. Amen. Said that without an ounce of facial hair, too. <laughs> Can you imagine how intimidating that is when everyone else has these raggedy old 19th century beards and this guy that's completely clean shaven walks up and delivers that the prayer? The thing is, I would think that that prayer would take some time to write, but not Von Schmidow. He, he, that was off the cuff. He was on his fourth wife in that battle, and he lived to have five more wives. Just stand after, aside after, and watch after, this fight. Stand after aside, killing Lord. many, many a many British soldier that day, Most he people, then lived to have five more wives. Most people pray for the Lord to come and help them, but he says, "Stand, just if, let me do my thing." If you're stand not aside. with us, stand aside. He basically was it. saying, "By God or Satan." That's is what this is what Jacob says every day when he wakes up. By God or Satan, <laughs> we will win this battle. If it's not by God, then Satan will oversee these and proceedings, he, and then we're going to go out there and do the Lord's work, whoever's doing. Without that prayer, there would be no Chad Withrow and Joey Kent might be sitting right. Imagine, there. I mean, true. imagine just going about anything in life, just saying, you know, stand aside and just watch one of the greatest fights you've ever seen uh, in the existence of everything. You know, I'd also... That's happening right I've now. Also Maybe they about, lost that fight and he just got away. No. You can look oh, it up. The Battle won. of New Orleans was one, Paul. <laughs> oh, they won. That is, that is well, well documented. This was one small fight in the big battle. We so, don't know. 
That's the same prayer I say when I go to Golden Corral every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> and it's a fight. You announce that to a, It's a real fight every time. It's over the PA system. Which wife it's a do fight you, when he arrives home. Hutton, which wife do you think Stomach's I came upset. from? With Francois Von Schmidt, the 19-year-old. I thought about like which family. Oh, which? Because there were people. Oh. There, there are Von Schmidt's who say we have a family or union, and it's a bunch of different subsects of Von Schmidt's from the different the nine wives. That is. Uh, so which wife am I in the sequence? The last one? Am I the 19-year-old bride when he's 90, or am I one of the first wives? No, I think you're the 19-year-old bride, and you are being taken advantage of, my friend. <laughs> with your with your hairless. That's why I have a clean-shaven face of a 19-year-old woman. Hairless skin. Beautiful Chad Withrow. Von Schmidt like that. And then, and then he ran Von the National Sounds. That's right. <laughs> this is a long way to say that I'm going to have a body off with Mac Jones at some point. Body side off. by side. I will body you off into the, what? What was it? Now we're really into the ground. Yep. Now we're really crossing up the stories. Miami doing a little reconnaissance mission behind the scenes about their coaching vacancy. <laughs> it's not vacant yet. But the Hurricanes may be on the look. Stand aside. Who are they reportedly looking at Get behind the scenes? Get your booster planes ready. It's that time of year. Flight tracker next on Outkick 360. The Pro Football Hall of Fame released the list of modern era candidates for the class of 2022, including 10 new names to this list. We will uh, get into that momentarily. On Outkick 360 with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. First, though, uh, the Miami Hurricanes gathering intel, according to reports, gathering intel on who will eventually, I'm putting that in parentheses, eventually replace head coach Manny Diaz, uh, who is going nowhere fast, it, it, it appears. Um, the, the names listed are the typical names you're going to hear for practically any major Power Five job that is going to be speculated either this time of year or the, in the next couple of months. Luke Fickle, Billy Napier, and... Uh, uh, Matt Campbell? Not Matt Campbell. The, the other one's a bit of surprising. It's Marcus Freeman. He is the defensive coordinator yeah. who took over at Notre Dame when Clark Lee left to become the head coach at Vanderbilt. Um, he played at Ohio State. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting uh, list of names. And because Freeman's listed in this group... It makes it sound like it's coming from one of the donors within Miami, right? If you're li- if you're just reading CBS Sports and thinking, okay, where's who's getting this information? That's a very specific list, is it not? It is. And Marcus Freeman was a name that Josh Heupel spoke to about Tennessee's defensive coordinator opening. I remember his his name was bandied about early in the head coaching search, and then I believe that uh, Josh Heupel reached out to him about being Tennessee defensive coordinator at at one point. I remember looking at his uh, track record and, and really liking what he's done at Cincinnati and in his career. There is a Twitter follow. You guys, if you're not already, everyone needs to follow it, called Message Board Geniuses, <laughs> at Message Board Geniuses. And it is so funny because it's, I think they're just sent really funny message board posts from all over the country for every fan base. And I saw that <laughs> the way they tweeted out to is great. It said, priority number one for Miami new head coach, first person they should call. Jim Trestle. <laughs> and then it goes into the post with a Miami fan saying, you know, what's Jim Trestle up to? That's who they should call. If you look at Miami and Florida State right now, and I've seen a lot of articles written. There was a guy in Tampa that I responded to on Twitter that wrote a story, an article saying, you know, be careful if you're Florida State about firing Mike Norvell because then you become Tennessee. 
And I said, I hate to break it to you, but you're already Tennessee right now in terms of where your program is. I understand they won a national title eight years ago, but they are running through coaches wow, quickly feels at recent. Florida State. 0-3 for um, the first time since the 70s, right? Yeah, and look, I could also argue, you know, Tennessee had Lane Kiffin leave on his own accord after one year, but Florida State, if you want to talk about a black eye, they had a coach that won a national championship at their school leave for another school without any danger of being fired at, at Florida State. That's not great. If you win a, a national title at school and you leave for another one, that's not a good look because you should be saying, well, I've already won one here. I'll just keep winning titles here. Jimbo Fisher left for more money in Texas A&M. But Miami, Florida State, I think Manny Diaz is on far better ground than Mike Norvell right now. But I just don't think you can fire Mike Norvell after two years, even as bad as Florida State's been with this 0-3 start. It depends on who you can get. You know who I think would work well at Florida State right now? You guys are going to hate this. Dion. Well, Dion, uh, Dion would go in there and win. He it, would recruit. It was on Big Noon kickoff, in fact. Reggie Bush was pushing for Dion at USC. To be the head coach said USC needs a celebrity head coach. Do we know anything about his ability to coach? And he after said Deion Sanders. How many games? At uh, I know that he's getting great players at Jackson State. Yeah. So I think the belief is if he had the right staff around him, not just great players, he's, he's going to tra- get great getting, players at a big program. He's getting transfers from Power Fives who aren't playing, and he's he just uh, he has a verbal commitment from a, a five star. I don't doubt he can get great players. He has a good FCS team. Oh, it, for what they're playing against. Eric on our YouTube chat says, Dion said he isn't leaving. Yeah, right, was my response. Yeah. He'll say that now at Jackson State, but if Florida State comes around, I have a hard time gone believing he's second. staying at Jackson State and not going to his alma mater and coaching at Florida He'd State. He'd be gone in a second. Yeah. Um, it, but that's it, – it just depends on who you're getting to replace Norvell, right? If, if you find the right – if you just find the lock, the guy that you know is the hire and the guy you're going to get behind, that you're going to give and be patient with, right? And allow the patience to well, build. Well, they've already proven that's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, there's well, – I don't think patience – No, it depends on If you're on hiring who they someone hire. at Florida State – If you hire Deion Sanders, you're not firing him after two years. Well, that's I what you're saying with the I would have said the same about – from his locker and there's going to be all kind of sideshow headaches. And, I mean, I would have said the same, though, about Willie Taggart or about Mike Norvell in the situation because when you have these two-year coaching turnovers, your roster depletes each time and it just sets you back longer mm-hmm. to get, you know, fully stocked roster where you go into a season feeling like, hey, we got a chance to be really good. Um, what's the better job, Miami or Florida State, if both came open? Uh, Here's a stat for I, I you. Wanna, I want to say Florida State I based Florida on the, State. the the private school aspect of Miami. But, I, I mean, it's, it's a toss. It's a coin flip. It's based on who they're able to hire. So Armando Salguero tweeted this out. Do you guys know what city had produced more NFL 53-man roster members in week one than any other city? I'm going to guess uh, it's, it's a city in Florida. Miami. It's Miami. I mean, that's, they talk about the state of South Florida. That's how the U built their reputation, by getting guys in the state of South Florida. They consider it their own state. There's a lot, of, a lot of chances to win at both Miami and Florida State. I still think those are two very good jobs. They have their difficulties, both of them. I think Miami, it's with facilities and fan base. 
I think Florida State's got some some problems too, but the right coach can figure it out. Paul, is there a lock for the Pro Football Hall of Fame on the list that's that's uh, on the schedule for you to debate at the selectors meeting? Of the new guys? Yeah. Um, DeMarcus Ware is the closest thing to a lock, but I don't know that he's a, a, a lock. Sack leaders, Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Kevin Green, Julius Peppers, Chris Dolman, Michael Strahan, Jason Taylor, Terrell Suggs are the only guys ahead of him. Suggs not yet eligible. Peppers not yet eligible. All the rest of them are in the Hall of Fame. But I don't know that he's got to go in his Andre first Johnson's year. the wide receiver everyone's going to notice. Yeah, I don't know that he's a first-year lock. I just compared him earlier, early this, Wayne mu- earlier this month list. to uh, to Calvin Johnson, and the numbers are comparable. Torrey Holt's on Steve the list. Smith Reggie too. Wayne's on the list. Uh, left over. I mean, I think Baselli, Leroy Butler, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas from last year, more locks than they. Power Hour next on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.